2: Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And on today's show, we have Tom McMakin. Tom is the co-author of How Clients Buy. And we had the other author, the other co-author, Doug yes. Fletcher on on Tuesday. So both of them back to back. And that's intentional. That's such a great book. But Um, A little bit more about Tom. Tom is the CEO at PI, which is, PI stands for Profitable Ideas Exchange. He is the author of Never Say Sell, the co-author of How Clients Buy, and he lives in Bozeman, Montana. Before we bring Tom on, we're going to talk a little bit about... Well, I don't know how lonely it is being an entrepreneur, how much you need a network like that. Cause that's sort of what Pi does is connects people and helps them collaborate. But you know, what are your thoughts on that, Corey?
0: It's, it's definitely lonely being the boss, so to speak. Even if you have a team of people, there's just certain things that you can or shouldn't share with your team. Um, can't or shouldn't share. And it's, uh, There is that separation, and everybody wants to be that friendly boss. And hey, I've got an open door, and we go mountain biking on the weekends or whatever it is. But, like, realistically, there needs to be that separation because you're the boss. And so, if you don't have that network of people in that regard, who, you know, basically, uh, at at worst case, just somebody who you could just call and bitch to when your employees are doing X, Y, or Z or or whatever it is, because you don't want. that like you don't want to have those conversations with your team, so you know I think that that's important, and then definitely um, having that network of people to help you, like whenever you're stuck or you need information or a connection to somebody else, it's definitely helpful.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, what I'm thinking about is a um, draft that you recently. Wrote, um, and because I don't know, you know when or where it will be published. I'll, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, 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 I can't elaborate more than to say that you recently drafted an article about, um, a particular CEO that we worked with once who really had this negative impact on his culture. And the reason that what you just said reminded me of that is because he was so far embedded in the wrong ways with his team and didn't have that line. So everybody knew that he was nuts, everybody. And there was no separation whatsoever. And I think a lot of employees as a result really lost respect for him, but he didn't seem to have a network outside of the company that he could reach out to, to say, Hey, you know, what, how would you handle this situation or what should I do here? And I think that's really important because when you are too close to your employees they can lose respect for you really really fast or start to take advantage of that relationship and then that becomes a very slippery slope
0: yeah exactly and and in that instance as well i mean with that culture the all of the leaders not all of the leaders but i say many of the leaders in that business were just as crazy as him. Oh, yeah, and it was like a high school click. like you're popular mm-hmm. now, now you're not popular and we're all gonna gang up against you. and mm-hmm. it's, so yeah, and, and like in terms of culture, that was terrible, but that's not what we're talking about here. No, it's not um,
2: it's not. but it reminded me of that yeah. because it was they didn't have that that segregation.
0: Sure. and and that network as well is um, I mean, I think even for him, for the people who were his peers, Uh, At the time, like his business partners or whatever you would call them, I don't even I doubt that they even had like a great relationship. So it's not like he could call them because when you're a business owner and you have a business partner and you you have a team, you definitely can lean on each other and and have those conversations in private. You know, where if if you want to talk trash about an employee, perfectly fine with your business partner. Outside of, you know, assuming that like you can trust your business partner not to turn around and start telling people that. But that's the whole thing. It's like you need to be able to like complain to somebody, to bitch to somebody, just to vent whatever, whatever you need. And. Uh, And that needs to stay between you and whoever that is. If it's your business partner, somebody in your network, your therapist, obviously. Hopefully it stays between you and your therapist. But like you need that because the last thing that you want, especially if you have a business partner or you have managers or whatever, is you don't want to start undermining them as well. Because if you if you do that then the team starts like they don't trust your managers or they don't trust you or whatever it is crumble quickly at
2: that point yeah so the the concept of having a network of and i I really i mean i guess we could look at like arate or as a network where it's you know sort of very like-minded and in in many instances people that are on the same level um and we certainly have people that, um, can reach out to, I know that I, you know, I have a handful of people that if I'm like really struggling with something and I want to try and figure it out before I have the, um, we have a conversation with you, I've got people that I can reach out to, to kind of like, Hey, is this a crazy idea before I pitch my crazy idea to you? Um, but I, I, I'm guessing not everybody's that fortunate where they have that network or just built in, or they've already done the work to build a network like that.
0: Sure, and you also want to try and keep that separation not only between you and your team, but you and your family. Because the last thing that your spouse probably wants to hear is you complaining every night about people in your business or, you know, I mean, like as good as they might be at giving you advice on certain things, like that's just something that should be, in my opinion, kept somewhat separate, like just because it's, it's a you need somebody who's in your shoes to kind of, or in similar shoes to really give you that perspective. Not that there's anything wrong with getting out of the box thinking from people who are completely disconnected from whatever it is that you're doing. But
2: yeah, you probably fare better though if you're talking to somebody who maybe has been there before or is in a similar situation. So that makes sense. So um, why don't we take a break and we will bring Tom on and we can talk about Collaboration, networks, how clients buy. Anything Tom wants to talk about. We're not going to take anything off the table from him.
0: so many things competing for our attention these days, efficiently acquiring and retaining customers is critical for small businesses. And that's why we launched Certivium, the newest business from the SB Pace team. Certivium is a business created specifically for entrepreneurs who need a hand with customer service, customer engagement, and social media management. We are an affordable option that any small business looking to grow needs to help maintain the most important part of their business, their customers. Find out if Certivium is right for your business at Certivium.com.
2: All right, welcome back to the show. I am so excited. We've got Tom McMakin with us. Hey, Tom, thanks for joining us today.
0: Julie, it's great to be here. Corey, yeah, thanks for being on the show, Tom. We're excited to continue this conversation about networking that we um, had on the front end and the importance of collaboration and all of that. And that's something that you focus on with um, your business. And I'm not even pie. I'm, I'm not going to get that acronym right off the top of my head, but you could probably tell people about that
1: yeah it's profitable ideas exchange so i'm the ceo of a company that helps large consulting firms like a I think like an ibm or accenture or a deloitte um, uh, drive their own sales by building a bridge from the smart people inside those firms to the people they can most help and we do that by uh, creating roundtables of likely customers for these big consulting firms. And uh, yeah, we've grown the business over the last couple of years from, you know, call it zero to 100 people. Um, It's fun. It's a fun business. And as you can imagine, we've benefited from, um, you know, unfortunately a little bit, benefited from COVID as people have sought to figure out a way to promote their businesses in a more virtual way.
2: Interesting. So are you taking like the Um, working with leaders inside of like those big consulting firms and sort of giving them round table exposure to um, people that could be ideal clients for them in, in other exactly Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, so like like break it down. So I'm a big fan of, of, Bizquick, And you know the people that listen to this podcast are oftentimes smaller companies. So let's just say you had a five-person accounting shop and you were like, I want to grow my business. And our, my best client is the Chevrolet dealership in town. You might just invite all the CFOs of all the dealerships out to dinner one night and say, hey, let's just talk shop. Uh, I'm not trying to pitch you, this is not a webinar, but um, maybe I've interviewed everybody beforehand to find out what their most pressing concerns are, and I want to just demonstrate that I, I can be of value to this group, not tout. That I'm a value to this group because when you sell services, expert services like an accountant or a lawyer um, or a consultant of any kind, it's uh, it's very hard to say I'm the best. You know, shout it from the mountaintop. It doesn't seem super credible. But if you if you show that you care about a cohort of people um, and add value to them, oftentimes you can discover their problems and engage and and scope new business. So that's a small business example. And we just do that for big business.
2: It's interesting. Um, (laughs) I love how you said, like, you can't really tout like, hey, I'm the best or whatever. Um, (laughs) Because one of my longtime pet peeves has been that when you, especially like in the social media age where somebody, you know, I might be really good at what I do, but I can't. And I want, I want to demonstrate value. I want people to know that I'm good and I want people to know that they can come to me for, you know, solutions, but I can't go out on social media and say, Hey, I'm going to give you some value, right? I have to give them the information or the tips or things that have worked or case studies and they have to see the value. And so many people tee it up as here's value for you. And I'm like, you can't, that's like, you've, you've already diminished your trustworthiness just simply by saying that statement. And it drives me nuts.
1: So, Julie, you, you said something really interesting about trust. Um, so trust is the is the foundation on which services, expert services are sold. And so it begs the question, uh, what kind of what what constitutes how do you build trust in potential clients? And I think, you know, I've co-written two of these books, right? How Clients Buy and Never Say Sell. And in How Clients Buy, we discuss that there are actually two different kinds of trust. I can trust. That Corey can give me sound advice on cybersecurity, for example. Um, that's a that's a <laughs> Corey's shaking his head. I could see him. Um, th- that's a that's a competency based trust. But there's also another kind of trust, which is I I feel like Corey's got my back, and uh, when my head's turned, he'll do right by me. And they're different things, right? I could think that someone was really smart and really capable, but. Uh, a con artist, and I wouldn't want to engage with them, even though they're quite capable. And likewise, I could feel like someone's got my back, say my next door neighbor, who I really, really like, and still not feel like she's the one that I want to fix our cybersecurity problems. And so that's the great challenge when uh, people are trying to sort of do business development in non product base uh companies is to build trust with prospective clients and just like you said one of the best ways to do that is to demonstrate your expertise but not talk about it
2: so how do you how do you build the trust on that second piece of the trust where it's like i know that you are not going to rob me blind like i for at sb pace one of our core values is we don't sell shit you don't need Right right, right. We, and we just we don't and ironically, the reason that's one of our core values is because we both come from consulting. I did some big four consulting and I saw it happen over and over and over again. And I was like, I it just would absolutely send me over the edge. I'm like we're not doing that, not doing it. I would rather be hungry than well fed because I took somebody's money when we didn't when they actually didn't need to give it to us.
1: So you're right on. Like, look, one of the surest ways to build trust is somebody calls you up and says, "You know, I hear you're a, you're an attorney, and I need a I need a new will." Is to is to turn the business away and say, "You know what? My expertise is corporate formation. Um, I don't do wills, but I can recommend to you somebody that does do wills." That immediately communicates to somebody that you're not in it solely for yourself. You're not like, "Oh, I'm going to go get a." you know, writing Wills for Dummies book and fake the fact that I can help you. um, I'm going to be, I'm going to, your interests are above my interests and I'm going to steer you in a direction that's best for you. Maybe not necessarily best for me. So that's one of the ways we build trust. You know, another classic way we build that kind of, I've got your back trust is we visit each other in in person, right? So that classically we're animals as human beings and we kind of we kind of hang out with people and we get a vibe about whether or not we think they beat their children and will rip us blind when we turn our back, right? And uh, and so, unfortunately, in the world of COVID, that's been taken away from us. We're not seeing as much face-to-face. Time is certainly a way in which we build trust. Like, if we have repeated contact over a long period of time, trust gets built in human beings. Um, And if we've worked together, of course, that's a, you know, a super source of trust. So if you ask people, an attorney or an accountant or a consultant, how they've built their business, they oftentimes say, you know, I worked with this person at this company and they moved and they called me up and said, help me at the new company. Um, So referral relationships and reputation are the basis on which uh, services are sold small businesses or large businesses.
0: And like we see it all the time. And and ironically, just recently, we're working on a competitive analysis for our own business and Mm -hmm. people, people online, whether it's on their website or social media or whatever, they tout all of these things. I'm the number one at this, I can do X, Y, or Z. And like for us, like again, doing this competitive analysis, I'm looking at somebody who is a competitor. We know the business and I'm looking at the list of services. I'm looking at all of like the quote unquote experience and ability, and I just I'm like that's complete bullshit. You don't do any <laughs> of that, <laughs> like. Uh-huh. And so, and, and and it's one of those things where, like, I and I I hate it because it gives people like us a bad name because we're like, oh, well, you're just like X, Y, or Z. When in fact, we're like, we don't we don't put anything on our website that we don't actually do. We don't. We had a, an SEO expert helping us with helping us with a website, and they said, hey, you need to create a page about the financial services that you can help with. And I'm like, I'm functionally, I'm good at finance, but I'm not qualified to talk to people about it. I can help you understand your financial sheets, you know, your three sheets, but that's about it. Like you need to go to an expert.
2: Yeah. And um, that's such a great example. And I know exactly who you're talking about on the competitive analysis, that what what business you got to when you saw that. Um, I, when you were talking about that, Tom, what it, what it reminded me of is a positive side of that story where um, I have, um. I have a coach, a business coach, and part of a mastermind with him. And I'm in a year long program, right? And um I know I know him. I know him well. And I've been to in fact it was his event in Whitefish that I went to. Um gentleman by the name of Tony Watley. And Tony, how I really got to know him and and build this closer relationship with him was through Clubhouse, the Clubhouse app, right? And interestingly enough, when Tony would be in rooms And he didn't realize it was happening. There was this group of producers from Amazon that were scouting for a new television show that they were going to be um, recording. And it was all about coaches. And after being in the same rooms as Tony for like, like eight or nine weeks, they reached out to him and they're like, we want to talk to you. And he, th- he said, he thought it was a joke, right? Much yeah. like, you know, we've had a couple of those instances too. we like, dude, is that, are these people serious? Is this a scam? But they reached out to him. And the reason that they reached out to him was because they said, every time they were in a room with him, he was one of the only coaches when somebody would ask a question and he would give advice or he would ask them more questions to get more information. He never once tried to sell them anything. He would say, look, here's some free information you can find over here. Here are some things that you could do. And not once in that entire time, did he try to sell him anything? Because he was like, he's like, could I have sold them? Sure. But the reality is they didn't know me from anybody and everybody was trying to sell to him. So I was just trying to give them information to help them. And as a result, he landed a TV deal. And, and so, you know, it's thinking like you have to be, it's so important to think big picture, long term, right? Because you can I like listen, I could lie to you and tell you all these things and sign you as a client today. I could. But once you realize that I'm just full of shit, one, you're never referring anybody to me and two, I'm never getting your business again. And so it's just like why even bother treating potential clients like that?
1: Right. No, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. Let's get a little sort of meta uh, here. So you all are hosting a podcast, and I bet that one of the reasons that you're hosting this podcast is to signal to the world of small business owners that you care about that universe and that you're expert at that universe and that you swim around in that pool And you are like a bee that can cross pollinate best practices, having been exposed to lots of different um, folks. So what I the way I call that you're underwriting the conversation about how to best run a small business. You're, you're, you're holding, you're lifting up that conversation and you're signaling to the marketplace that you care about it and that you're expert about it. And, and that will cause people to call you up and say, hey, I, I want to engage with you two. I've got a small business and I've heard you guys talk and you sound smart, you sound like good people. I, I'm doing the same thing, right? Like I wrote two books that were best practice books for large company consultants, about how to drive business development. And I'm not particularly an expert at that, but I interviewed a ton of people and wrote these two books. And I'm signaling to my marketplace that I care. No one cares about that marketplace more than I do. Business development for practice leads in large consulting firms. I'm now an expert at it. Um, But I'm signaling to the world that that's the place that I've chosen to be Uh, expert. And so in both of our cases, we're trying to add value to people that we want to serve in advance of ever asking for money, that we're giving in a spirit of generosity. And we kind of believe in karmic business, like it'll all work out. If we just keep giving, it'll all work out. And it, it does. It has.
0: It definitely seems like you give more than you get though. Sometimes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. The tide turns though. The tide yes. turns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say it's interesting that um, you're, when you, when you talk about the books and I haven't read the second book yet, but I will, it's coming in the mail any day now on the, how clients buy as a small business owner. Who works strictly with small businesses, there was not once that I picked up on that it was actually written for a large company. Like oh, I really I felt like it was complete, everything in it was applicable to me. I was like, I can implement that. I can in fact there, as I said, there's many things that have already implemented where I'm like, I'm doing this, right? And um Corey and I have two businesses, the um, second business, um, we have a, a third partner in and she's actually doing some of the things as well. I'm like, you need to pick up this book and read it. It's really, it's, it's very good. And it was, it's almost like this aha, like, wow, like how did I not realize this stuff before I read the book and really mad at myself because I actually picked up that book in the Richmond airport in August of 2020, read like 70 pages of it on a flight to Vegas then let's be real I was probably drunk after that and couldn't read anymore (laughs) and I put it on my bookshelf and I looked at it every week and I didn't pick it back up again until probably like two weeks ago and I plowed through it and I'm like dang it like think how much further ahead I would be right now had I read that book to the all the way to the end but timing is everything it may not have absorbed with me it may not have stuck and I certainly wouldn't have had the foresight to invite both you and Doug onto the podcast to talk about it.
1: You know, it's funny. People say, "Is writing a book hard?" And I'm like, "It's a lot of typing." Let's just be really <laughs> clear about that. It's a lot of typing. Like you have the ideas, but you just got to get them on a page. And uh, and so it's a labor of love on some level. Like I did it on planes and in the evenings, and because uh, I have a day job running this company. Um, so when you say nice things like that, it really is a. It makes me feel good. Like okay, well maybe that wasn't all in vain. Maybe. Uh, interviewing all these people and sort of sharing what they do, it could be helpful to the world. And that's anyway, thank you for saying
2: that. Oh, you're welcome. And it definitely was not in vain. Like you will change and have, I'm sure changed businesses as a result of this book, a direct result. So 100% not in vain and um, kudos to you for, not only writing the first one, but writing the second one, Corey and I wrote a book and I always ask him if he wants to write a second one. Absolutely like, not. <laughs> that
0: was the worst experience ever. Not,
2: so not I really
0: felt
1: involved. the same. It's so funny. I felt the same way. I was like, it's such a, it's such a pain. I mean, it's like giving birth to a child, except you don't forget all the pain and and do it again. You remember the pain, but I have a, a, a the second in command here, at Pi is a, a fellow named Jacob Parks, and he really wanted a book, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to give him the gift of writing a book. So I said, let's just do this. Um, you know, it's interesting. That first book is how do people that sell services uh, drive business development? And then after we wrote it, we got a lot of feedback that uh, people said, well, when I look at my business development, my pipeline almost all my new business development comes from existing clients that have given me more work. So you've shown us how to get work in the first place, but how do you land and expand? And so the second book, Never Say Sell is much more focused on that, which is once you have a foothold in a client, um, how can you expand your remit there?
2: And I'm, that's, um, I'm excited to read that now, but I just I opened up the books. So I was sitting right here with me to the part of the book that to me was the most sort of meaningful, I want to say like lightning bolt moment. And it's the part where you talk about um, the evergreen acute and optimization services, right. And sort of Mm -hmm. um, which bucket. And I I think it's services I'm using the right word there, right? Yep. So the three different types of service firms and how, Somehow, Corey and I had managed to position ourselves into the type of service firm that is the hardest to sell, and that's optimization because people don't have to do it. Right They're it would it improve their business dramatically? Yes, but if they're okay and steady state, then they don't have to spend that money. If there's other things they could spend it on. And it made me realize that we needed to find a way to reposition ourselves to be more on the acute side than on the optimization side. And I thought, it I mean, in some ways, not a hard pivot to make, but in other ways, I'm like, it's a little bit of a model shift for us. But I i, I don't want to make selling harder for me than it already is because not, I don't come from a sales background, but I, have, I own sales inside of SB Pace. And so I'm like, how can I make it as easy as possible for me to do it? So... That that was like really interesting for me to realize, like, okay, we have somehow managed to pick the hardest thing to sell. Good job.
1: <laughs> so let's just let's just talk through those really quickly. So Evergreen is like you you you're a tax preparer, that's your business, and you land a client, Corey needs his taxes done, and I do his taxes. It's fairly easy. To sort of retain it's a recurring revenue right every january i send out a tax planning packet to corey and i say let's touch base in mid-march and looking forward to sort of uh doing your taxes this next year and so it keeps coming towards you right it's it's not like uh selling a car where it's one and done um Acute is when are people that that, uh, focus on emergency services. So like a crisis management firm. So no one needs a crisis management firm until they do, until the proverbial shit hits the fan. And then they're like, who do we call? We call Ghostbusters. And so those people oftentimes uh, have a lighter lift when it comes to business development because they just need to build their brand in the marketplace so that when emergencies hit, say a cybersecurity breach, um, you're the first person that they call and you don't have to do a ton of business development because you're going to call people and they be like, I don't need you um, and because they don't need you until they do. The hardest one is where you go in and you say, we can help uh, drive your business development and your profitability, make you leaner, think about pricing, because all of that is sort of at the margin mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's generally one and done. So it's not urgent like acute, nor is it uh, recurring like uh, evergreen and it's just a tougher road to hoe. Yes. Hey, we're in that business too, Julie. It's like, it's just tougher. Let's just be honest. Right.
2: It, it really is. And, but a lot of times just knowing it and understanding it, like it makes sense then why our sales cycle is the length that it is. Right. Because one, they have to be aware, they have to trust you. they have going to go through that whole cycle. And then, you know, be in the position where they, they can buy it. They're the person that can say yes to doing it and then engaging because the timing is right. And be like, okay, let's go, right? And so generally, it, it, fairly, it's very rare that we talk to somebody and then at some point in the future, they don't come back and say, hey, I want to do this work now. But it's almost always 90, 120 days later. And so if you take your foot off the gas on building that pipeline and really doing your business development, you can be in a world of hurt at some point. So yeah. it, knowing yep. it makes it at least a little bit easier to navigate through it. But um, unfortunately we need to start wrapping up, which I hate because this has been a really, really great and enjoyable conversation. I'm not sure Corey enjoyed it as much as we did, Tom, but <laughs> definitely uh, it was great. Um, do you want to say something? I was going to
0: say you didn't give me much of a chance to enjoy it. But do you want to ask any good. last question? No, this was perfect. I enjoy this conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
2: all right tom is there anything that we can do for you
1: well um you know to the extent that folks um are in larger organizations that sell services check us out at www.profitableideas.com that's what pi stands for profitable ideas exchange um and uh yeah that would be that would be super um if the books sound interesting and relevant um they're on amazon uh Go ahead and download them to your Kindle.
2: Perfect. I recommend that you buy the hardbacks because then you can write in them and bookmark the pages and dog ear them and all those things. So there you go. No need to ask you how our listeners can find you. Um, You've already told them. We're going to put all of that in the show notes. And thank you, Tom, so much for joining us. We really appreciate that you gave so generously of your time. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And as I already said, everything you need to know about Tom will be in the show notes.
0: You can connect with us on social media. We've got LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and a YouTube channel. And if you want to work with us, every way that you can get in contact with us is on our website, sbpace.com. We've got a bunch of free content out there available for small business owners. Or if you're ready to start working with us, uh, schedule a call. We're happy to talk.
2: Yeah. And speaking of free content... um, it's effect as of January 1st, all of our courses are free. Yes. So you can find those on our website as well. That's exciting news for everybody. Um, all right. And hey, don't forget to download and rate our podcast. You could also subscribe and give us a written review, we would really appreciate that. You can reach out about any topics that you might be interested in hearing about, and we'll see if we can't uh, make it happen. And we have a radio show weekly national radio show on voice america the business channel it is called defeat the chaos and it's every thursday at 9 a.m eastern
0: and don't forget to purchase our book seriously now what a small business guide to disaster preparedness it is a number one amazon bestseller we have a digital workbook download available on our site and if you've already purchased and read the book please go out there rate and review it for us I'm Julie. And I'm Corey.
2: And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses with business development.